Whenever somebody meets Jesus, whenever a man meets Jesus, whenever a woman meets Jesus, it is always shadowed by life change. But there's something I missed, y'all. And I'm sorry. I'm telling all of y'all I'm sorry now. I don't know how I missed this. I have been tripping since Tuesday. Like, this word that you're going to get on today, I have been tripping on it since Tuesday of this week. I'm like, how in the world did I come up here for four Sundays in a row, read our foundational text, and I missed this? I'm like, God, you had to, like, hide this from me so that you could save it for, like, part five sermon content. When I look back and I was studying this week, I saw that every single one of the encounters always were due to a problem. All of them. Every single encounter that we have, biblical episode after biblical episode, they were always due to a problem. The woman who is crooked in the synagogue, who can't straighten up herself on her own, that's a problem. The, the, the man on the land of the gatherings who had a legion of demons tormenting him and he could not stop the torment in his own strength, that was a problem. And the woman who already lost her husband and now she's at the funeral service of her son until Jesus steps in and hits her life with a plot twist. You thought that, you thought really that this was going to be your pain place? Plot twist. This is going to be your praise place. You woke up and you thought that your day would end with a eulogy. No, your day is going to end with a testimony. Plot twist. You thought that due to what you did, I'm talking to somebody, due to what you did and due to your shortcomings and due to your failures and all what you did in 2021 and all what happened from that divorce and all what happened from that breakup, you thought that due to all of your unwise choices, that placed a period in your life. I came here this afternoon to tell somebody that Jesus has hit your story with a plot twist. If you look a little closer, it's not a period, it's a comma which means to be continued. Plot twist, plot twist, plot twist. I noticed, as I'm looking at these texts, I noticed that all of them, every encounter had a problem. And then I got the revelation, y'all, and it's been messing me up. I got the revelation. Problems are invitations for the miraculous. Ooh, Problems are invitations for a king encounter. Anybody in the sanctuary have any problems? If you don't have one, then you're lying. That's your problem, lying. Anybody going through some problems? See, this should be encouraging to the person who is stressed out due to all of your problems. And you're looking at the list of all of your problems. And you have all of this regret. If I wouldn't have done this, and if I didn't go there, and if I wouldn't have done this with her, and if I didn't do this with him, I came to let you know your problems are the perfect ingredients for you to experience the miraculous. Problems. Problems. And I know we don't want problems. See, this is why your worship matters. Y'all think we'd be up here singing to give you a concert? Can I tell you something? I have learned this about my generation. It's not that millennials and Generation Z don't know how to worship. It's that we don't know who to worship. See? See? We worship somebody 
who has a baby on the way. We know how to worship our shoes. We know how to worship our J's and our Yeezys and our red bottoms. We know how to worship our notoriety. We know how to worship our social media and our platform. We know how to worship the idea of marriage. We know how to worship the idea of relationship goals. We know how to worship our bank account. We know how to worship. The problem is we don't know who to worship. Jesus is the only one that is worthy of all the worship. Can I help somebody? Because your worship has neurological implications. Talk Holy Ghost. Your worship has neurological implications. That means your worship has the influence to mess up and fix your mental reasoning and your perspective. Hear me. Your worship can shift your focus from the problem to the problem solver. You know why your problems are so stressful? Because you're trying to handle your problems in your presence. But when you worship, it takes your problem in God's presence. I'm not saying, please hear me, I'm not saying that your worship life is going to remove all your problems. But I am saying your worship life is going to remind you of who could solve all your problems. Can I get somebody to say worship? Worship. It's not that we don't know how. It's we don't know who. See, praise. All praise is, is thanking God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. That's all praise is. There's no such thing as, I'm just, that's just not me. You have the capability of saying thank you, don't you? Okay. All praise is, is thanking God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. But worship is just thanking God for who he is. I wish I had some worshipers in here on this Sunday afternoon who knows how to worship God just for who he is. And if you don't know what that looks like, y'all excuse me for a moment. It's like this, God, I worship and I thank you for being a protector. I thank you for being a keeper. I thank you for being a provider. I thank you for being a way maker. I thank you for being a mind regulator. You know my mind can be jacked up. I'm not coming here to ask what I can get from you. I came here just to say thank you for being who you are. Worship you for who you are. Thank you for being wonderful. Thank you for being excellent. Thank you for redeeming me because my worship shifts my focus from the mess to the Messiah. Did y'all catch that? It shifts my focus from the mess to the Messiah. And hell hates a through it all worshiper. Why am I coming out like this, y'all? Hell hates a through-it-all worshiper. Preaching like that can shift this atmosphere. Preaching like that can cause for this atmosphere to become miraculous. I'm exposing the cap of hell's weakness. Hell and Satan can't stand a hard-headed, relentless, radical, crazy, through-it-all worshiper. Listen, 
because through it all, worshiper, they're this type of person. I don't like it, but I'm still going to worship. It hurts, but I'm still going to worship. They left me, but I'm still going to worship. Y'all giving me golf claps, but I'm still going to worship. I don't understand it, but I'm still going to worship. It's uncomfortable, but I'm still going to worship. We in a pandemic, but I'm still going to worship. An ex did me wrong. I'm still going to worship. They laid me off. I'm still going to worship. Miscarriage. I'm still going to worship. Everybody's leaving me. Still going to worship because my worship is not about my circumstance. My worship is about who you are. Somebody say worship. The problem, the problem sets the stage for the encounter. Now, last week, we dealt with kind of intense how to go to war with disappointment. Because disappointment is not designed for discouragement. Disappointment is designed for direction. So whenever a door closes in your life, that's not designed to rob you of your faith. That's designed to point you to your favor. Oh, did y'all hear what I just said? If y'all can get this, I promise this will lower your anxiety. It will lower your anxiety. Every closed door is not God trying to discourage you, but it's God trying to direct you. Your favor is somewhere else. Listen, y'all. God gives you, please hear me, please hear me. God gives you favor in spaces and places and with people who matter to your assignment. Did y'all hear what I just said? I'm telling you, this will help you lower your anxiety. God gives you favor in spaces and places and with people who matter to your assignment. So this means to me, if they unfollow you, if they don't support you, if they don't hire you, if they don't notice you, they must not matter to my assignment. Am I helping somebody? Because if that place or that person was a critical component with you fulfilling your God-given task while you were in the earth, you would have favor with them. But the fact that you don't, that's irrefutable evidence. That's not my favor factor. And I can't speak for anybody else, but Jerry has arrived to this place. I want to be where the favor is. I don't want to be stressed out because I'm trying to force something to happen in my own strength. I've done that. That's stressful. That's stressful. Like, when you look at the resume of your choices, why you trust you so much? Like, I want to be where I'm called to be. I want to be where I'm ordained to be. I want to be in the will of God. Because, listen, y'all, the favor of God can take you places hustling can't. All right. All right. I know you a hustler. Yeah, you, you, you a hustler. I understand that. But the favor of God can take you places hustling can't. Can y'all imagine if you favored and hustling? <laughs> favor of God. Favor is an usher. It knows how to keep some stuff on reserved until you get there. Favor. I want to be where the favor is. So I was praying and I'm asking God. I said, okay. Last week, we dealt pretty heavy with disappointment. What was that for? 
Because I, I am a man that I want God to direct my sermons. I do. When you come here, I want you to get a fresh rhema word, not a recycled, plagiarized, Googled word. God, what was that for? Why, why do you want us to be able to war against disappointment? And I believed on Tuesday night of this week, God told me why. It's because my people have no joy. They have let disappointment after disappointment and let down after let down rob them of joy. My people who are called by my name, my people have no joy. I feel this, y'all. Forced smiles. Forced laughs. Nothing about you is organic. Nothing about you is authentic. My people have no joy. And I did not create you to bleed for the rest of your life. I did not create you to be miserable for the rest of your life. Deal with disappointment because on part five, I want you to remind them that I am the one that can only give you joy. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about happiness. I told us this before. Happiness, the root word in happiness is happens. This means your emotional well-being and your emotional welfare is going to rest on the seesaw of what happens. Did y'all hear what I just said? See, this is why some people are so moody. This is why some people are so moody, because each and every day you rest your emotional welfare on the seesaw of what happens to you today. If my way happens, then I'm going to be happy. If it doesn't happen the way I want, then I'm going to be ticked off. If things go my way, then I'm going to be happy. If things don't go my way, then I'm going to be upset. Each and every day, your life is like this. You ever met people, I don't know what to expect. They're going to smile today. They're going to mean mug me today. They're going to speak today. They're going to, no joy. No joy. And this is the crazy thing, y'all. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about people who claim to be in Christ. Oh, you in here on this afternoon. You are present. Present. No joy at all. Tears probably swelling up in your eyes right now because you want joy, but you don't know how to get joy. And all you have been chasing is happiness. Isn't it crazy that the pursuit of happiness actually is the pursuit of misery? Because when you are chasing happiness, you're chasing something that is uncertain. You're chasing something that is fleeting. God wants to give us authentic joy. Maybe this is the reason so many of us are so miserable. Because I want something to make me happy. Versus joy that is a root. Joy that is a heart posture. Please hear me. One of the most valuable assets that you possess in this life is your joy. Now we have to understand this, y'all. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 all day. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So this might mess you up. Since joy 
is a fruit of the Spirit, this means joy is a kingdom exclusive. It is reserved only for those who are in the kingdom. Everybody else, you get spurts of happiness. But if you want lifelong lasting joy, that is a kingdom exclusive. It is only for those who honor the king. And I want us to get to a place where we stop wanting the king's stuff, but don't honor the king. Peace, that's Jesus stuff. Gentleness, that's Jesus stuff. Self-control, that's Jesus stuff. Joy, that's Jesus stuff. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can give you lasting joy. Do you want the king's stuff, but you don't want to follow the king's teaching? God, give me peace. And God's like, I just want a piece of your life. I want a piece. Can I have a, can I have a say-so in your life? Why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? The biggest red flag God can never give us is the absence of his peace. I want us, I want us to have joy, and it's a kingdom exclusive. See, now it makes sense why Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 tells us, the joy of the Lord. So good, y'all. I promise you'll be blessing me. The joy of the Lord is your strength. See, you probably heard that before. But I want to dissect it down to small, intricate pieces where we can understand it. Joy is when your heart is filled with gladness due to knowing and believing this simple truth. And I'm going to say it in Ebonics form, God got me. Yep, not God has me, I belong to the Lord. No, joy. <laughs> joy is when your heart is full of gladness because you know and you believe this simple truth, God got me. They left, God got me. It's hard, God got me. Terrible divorce, God got me. Laid off, God got me. See, listen, I want y'all to help me preach. Enough of me preaching to y'all. Can I get y'all to say, God got me? So I'm going to holler out stuff, and I want y'all to holler back, God got me, okay? So I'm going to say, chaos is all around me. I got laid off. They left me. I got fired. Negative doctor's report. We in a pandemic. A new variant. It don't look good. There's a storm. There's a trial. They lied on me. Fear all around me. Pain all around me. Heartache all in me. I don't understand it. I don't like it. It's difficult. It's scary. But God got me. And is there anybody grateful that God got you? Don't just give me a patty cake right there. God has me. Regardless of what I'm facing, regardless of what I'm going through, God got me. And that, listen, listen, y'all. That gives me joy. If it could burn, if it could corrode, or if it could rust, it should not give you joy. Did y'all hear what I just said? If it could burn, if it could corrode, if it could rust, it should not give you joy. The joy in your heart is knowing regardless of what I'm facing, the creator of the universe is watching over me. And he's perfecting everything that concerns me. So when it looks bad, I know God got me. Yeah. 
And that's how I have a place of unwavering, unshaking joy. Because I don't control the outcome. My God does. This is so good, y'all. I, I really pray that this helps you. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, okay. Joy is a byproduct of a king encounter. Mm-hmm. Joy is a byproduct of a king encounter. The way I get the king's stuff is I have to be intimate with the king. God is speaking to us this afternoon. He wants us to have joy and joy in him and him alone. See, this is why saying, but I just want somebody that makes me happy. <laughs> What's wrong with somebody that makes me happy? <laughs> What's wrong with, see, that, that's why that's such a frivolous pursuit because are you really going to rest? Y'all listen to every word I'm about to say. Are you really going to rest your well-being, your emotional well-being and welfare on the seesaw of what somebody does? This is why traffic ticks you off so much. Oh, this is why people at your job tick you off so much. Because I have placed, God help us, I have placed my emotional state on the seesaw of what people do. Okay, so we can understand it a little more. Have you ever been with somebody and it feels like nothing is enough? No matter what you do, like you trying hard too, nothing you do can make them happy. It's because they're placing a God responsibility on a mere man. Like, nothing I do can make you happy. I'm trying. They don't know that they really want joy. Culture has taught them pursue happiness. But all of this stuff, this is why, look, I gave you roses. They died. Now you're unhappy. I gave you food. You boo-booed that out. Now you're unhappy. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. I'm trying. It's because joy comes from Jesus. Not what I do for you. Not what I do for you. You know how many people are about to be unhappy on February the 14th? Because of what people did or did not do for them? How about be happy that the fact that God let you see a sunrise? That's my Valentine's Day. Thank you, Lord. How about I'm saved? God is speaking to us this afternoon. He wants us to have joy. And joy in Him and Him alone. Joy is not a destination you arrive at. But when I get the raise, when he or she straightens up, when my platform gets to 10,000, when my bank account has six zeros, joy is not a destination you arrive at. It's a pathway you choose to believe. I choose, I'm trying to help somebody. I choose to believe that God is the author of my faith. Sometimes if I could just be real, can I be real? Sometimes you have to find the joy because you're so irritated. Like, like you may have only got four hours of sleep and you're kind of moody. I don't know how, I'm not a morning person. I'm not. Are there any people in here who are not morning, por- not morning people? See y'all? Yes. Any morning people raise y'all hand? We don't like y'all. No. I remember when my wife and I first got married and I discovered that she was a morning person. She rolled over and she was like, good morning, we're married. I said, oh no, you talk. Uh-uh. We- we have to brush our teeth. We, we have to wash our face. You talk. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I 
Joy. Joy. It's not in a, it's not in a destination. It's what you choose to believe. Sometimes you have to find it. You irritated this morning? Find the joy. God, thank you that I had some breakfast. Thank you that I didn't eat because I woke up late, but if I would have woke up early, I could have warmed up some breakfast. Thank you that I could stop and get something to eat. Okay, make it more personal. Thank you that I have running water. There are places that do not have running water. Thank you that when I flush the toilet, it actually goes and actually flushes the toilet. Thank you if I want the water to turn on hot, it actually could be hot because there's some places that don't have hot water. Thank you, God, that I have hair. If I don't have hair, I could buy hair. Thank you, God. Thank you. I'm serious. Y'all laughing, but I'm so serious. Sometimes you got to list some stuff, okay? I'm thankful that I'm in my right mind, all right? I'm thankful nothing in my body hurts right now, okay? I'm thankful that I have a job to go to. Let me not complain. I'm thankful for what you're doing in my life. I have to find the joy. That doesn't mean you're not spiritual. That means you're human. Sometimes I literally have to point out and find joy so that I can lift my mood before I'm around somebody. Joy is also, it is not overthinking. It's when we do not allow overthinking to vandalize our imagination. I don't even know if I should say it again. Should I say it again? Joy, y'all are funny. Joy, joy happens when we don't let overthinking vandalize our imagination. Like, ooh, anybody in here... Do you think yourself in the moods? I said it before. Maybe you're not under attack. Maybe you're under a thought. Oh, overthinking, vandalizing. Well, if, if, this, if this happens, then this might happen. And then I'm talking about movie directors. We have some movie directors in here. If, if I don't do this, then they're going to do this. And then they're going to think this because I didn't do that. And then, oh, if I didn't do this, then maybe this wouldn't happen. How about shift your thought to whatever happens, God got me. You see how this works? You see? If the son, God got me. I forgot this, but God got me. It helps me. God is speaking to us this afternoon, y'all. He wants us to have joy and joy in him and him alone. Y'all ready for the next one? Joy is the barometer of spiritual intimacy. You cannot stay in Jesus' face and be pissed off. Okay? Because intimacy is the prerequisite for joy. So the more I'm in God's face, the more joy I'm going to have. Many times our joylessness reveals the lack of our prayer lives. For real. When you get pissed, you take it to your phone. How about take it to the throne? Like seriously, I used to do this in college. A professor used to get on my nerves. And I said, okay, before we go to my 12 o'clock class, hold on a real second. Because I'm kind of pissed. God, I thank you for your grace. 
Thank you, Father God, that you've been good to me. Thank you that I'm even in college. I'm not a statistic. I have a chance to get an education. And God, due to this education that you're going to give me, prayerfully will open up doors for me to be able to one day provide for my family. Fix my mood right now, God, because I'm pissed off. I'm irritated. I'm upset. And I want to always represent you. Because I don't know who I'm going to run into as I'm walking down the tiger walk to head to my class that might need to see a glimpse of you. And help me, God, to always show glimpses of you versus a glimpse of my attitude. Fix my posture right now, God. Fix my mood. I thank you for everything that you... I'm sitting here, y'all, literally having a conversation because I know I'm irritated. Is this too real? And I understand that my spiritual intimacy is going to affect my mood. Sometimes I'll put headphones in my ear and I will listen just to the word because I need my mind to be mentally flooded with something that's going to help me. Now, if I'm walking down the Tiger Walk listening to, so I'm outside of the club and you think I'm a punk. Bro, let somebody say something to me. You ever been mad? Turn on music, make you mad, and you're going like 90. What you doing? Don't, don't allow your anger to jump you by supporting it with music that's making you more ticked off. I need something to calm me down. <laughs> Somebody say joy. And this is my favorite one. Joy is not when you're trying to hold everything together. But it's when you let God hold you, which reminds you all things work together. Did y'all hear what I just said? Joy is not in trying to hold it all together. This is why you're in here exhausted and you're tired because you're trying to hold it all together. You're trying to hold your family together. You're trying to hold your emotions together. You're trying to hold your business together. Joy is not when you are trying to hold everything together. But it's when, it's when you let God hold you, which reminds you, all things work together. I'm trying to help somebody this afternoon so that you can have joy. The reason I feel the Holy Spirit has us going this way is so that we will be a people who will never again eat the crumbs of misery from the table of discouragement. But rather, due to this king encounter, Jesus is going to give you a full menu of joy. No more will you eat crumbs from misery that have fallen off the table of discouragement. But due to this king encounter, Jesus is going to give you a full menu of joy. Of joy. The passage in John chapter 2 verse 1 reveals this to us in such a beautiful way. And I want us to see it. John chapter 2. If you're not there yet, you need some serious help because I gave you all a lot of time. John chapter 2, verse 1. You can look on the screen if you don't have it. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine... The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, I I just teased her. What do you think mama would do if I said, woman, 
only Jesus talking to your mama. Woman, so he says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Y'all see Jesus? <laughs> okay. He says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So I was like, why are you talking to your mama like this? And then I kind of put myself in the story. Let's say you go to a wedding, right? I'm going to make this real. Let's say you go to a wedding, and somebody come up to you and say, hey, they ran out of chicken. <laughs> what you want me to do? Go to KFC and buy a bucket? I'm like, I'm a guest. I'm just trying to make the Bible come alive where y'all can see it, all right? So he says, what did, my hour has not come. Then verse 5, it says, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master called the feast, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Our verses of importance, our clauses of concern that are going to serve as a flight attendant for the cruise line of this sermonic journey so we can reach a cruising altitude of life impact and life change. I want you to see verse 3, where the text just told us they have no wine. Then I want you to notice verse 10, you have kept the good wine until now. They have no wine, verse 3. They have new wine, verse 10. Now, wine is symbolic of joy. Verse 3, they have no joy. Verse 10, they have new joy. Now, I'm looking at this and I'm studying, and it just messed me up. I'm like, hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. Jewish weddings aren't like Western Hemisphere weddings, how we have an hour service and maybe three or four hours turning up at the reception. No. Jewish weddings are for like five days. So then I saw my whole generation in this. So you telling me y'all twerking, but y'all have no joy? All partying. I'm thinking everybody's partying. I don't know what type of dances they did. I'm thinking maybe like some belly. I don't know what they're doing. They dancing, but they don't have no joy. This is why you should never be jealous. This is why you should never be jealous of anybody. They posted them in Cancun, but they don't have any joy. They posted relationship goals, but they don't have any joy. This is why they try to get high to escape the reality because they have no joy. Why would you have to escape for something you enjoy? They have no joy. You may have a bigger house than me, but you don't have more joy than me. You can have a better car than me, but you don't have more joy than me. You can make more money than me, but you don't have more joy than me. They have no joy. But verse 10, they have new joy. 
And then God let me see something, this revelation that blessed me. This was the ending of a wedding, but the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So we have two transitions happening at the same time. Something is ending while something is beginning. Talk Holy Ghost. Maybe when that relationship Maybe, maybe all the red flags that you're ignoring, maybe when that ends, then the joy of Jesus can begin. Maybe when I end thinking I'm the one in control, maybe my joy could actually begin that Jesus is in control. What in your life has to end so your joy can begin? Something was about to end. But Jesus' ministry was about to begin. How do they go from having no wine to now having new wine? It was due to a king encounter. And I'm trying to get somebody to get this, y'all. Your joy is married to your king encounter. And I just feel like a man who has been summoned by the Holy Spirit to talk to somebody in the house and online where your joy is running out. You have no joy and you have to make face. Like you should get tired of making up your face but swimming in your tears every night. I want my people to have joy. God, would you help us to experience authentic joy. Maybe for some of us for the first time in our life, help us to know what it feels like to walk around with this understanding. God got me. Would you give us joy? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you shout amen? Amen. I want to speak for a few more moments. I'm not going to be long. A few more moments from this, talk, from this thought. This time, I'm going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. This time, I'm going to enjoy it. Like this year that God has given me, this, like I didn't enjoy 2021, but 2022, this year, I'm going to enjoy it. Yet yeah, y'all broke up. So you know what? Now that I'm single, this time when I'm single, I'm going to enjoy it. I, I may not like the process, but I'm going to find the joy so that I can enjoy it. The journey, I'm going to enjoy it. How about this? I'm going to stop shaming myself from all the areas where I missed it. But I'm going to start applauding myself for how the Holy Spirit is molding me and making me to become the man of God or the woman of God that God has created for me to be. I'm going to enjoy it this time. I'm going to forgive myself for all the times I left me behind while chasing them. I'm going to enjoy it this time. And I'm going to forgive myself for all the choices I've made in ignorance and have genuine repentance, genuine repentance, so that I could experience this authentic joy. Can I get everybody to say this with me? And everybody watching online, just put this in the room in all caps. Can I get us to say, Father, give me unexplainable joy so that sorrow can no longer hold me hostage. One more time, this is for somebody, Father, Give me unexplainable joy so that sorrow can no longer hold me hostage. How do we go, verse 3, no wine, 
which is symbolic of no joy, to verse 10, new wine, which is new joy. It was all due to a king encounter. And as I'm looking at this, I'm like, how do you run out of wine at a wedding? Like, I had a wedding before. Maybe somebody in here, you had a wedding before, or been in a wedding, or helped coordinate a wedding. I'm like, okay, we know how many people are going to be here because we send out invitations. Like, if you come unannounced, don't expect no food. If not y'all, this may be just me. We have a budget. We have a budget. So I know how many people are going to be here. You know how many people are going to be here. So how do you end up running out of wine at a wedding? There you go. I begin to think maybe they just kept drinking. Could you be drinking your own joy? Mm -hmm. Or how about this? How about you're surrounded by people who are consuming your joy? Like I'm thinking nobody saw that the wine was getting low. So all y'all were just like, hey, man, this wine real, t- this, this party turned up. Mm-hmm. You're getting kind of low, though, bro. But uh, still, you know, Pastor Cavassier, it's going great over here. Your wine, are we good, bro? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody thought like, okay, that's your fourth glass. Maybe slow, nobody, are you surrounded by people who can't discern when your joy is low? can't discern like real friends can hear your screams that are silent like you can go silent but I hear you are you surrounded by people who can't discern when your joy is low are you consuming your joy are you consuming your joy by entertaining a bulk of counterfeits are you consuming your own joy by overthinking or, or, or how about this? Are you consuming your joy because you constantly keep scrolling and comparing your life to everybody's presented post? Keyword, presented. Presented post. And so now my joy is being robbed due to what I'm looking at. If you only look at the problem, your heart will start to have a problem with your faith. Please hear me, y'all. If you only look at the problem, your heart will begin to have a problem with your faith. So when your faith tells the heart that faith is believing that everything that God said is true, your eyes will then have an argument with your heart and say, okay, based on what we see in, uh, your faith is lying. So then your heart will turn around and tell your faith, you a liar. Did y'all catch all that? What are you looking at? And could it be what I'm looking at is robbing my joy because when your heart heals, so does your vision. When your heart heals, so does your vision. Listen, how you see is tied to how healed you are. So if somebody abused you or took, the, took advantage of you and you haven't healed from that, when somebody else comes in your life, I think they're going to do the same thing because how you heal that's going to affect how you see. If your heart is broken, your focus is going to be broken. Mm-hmm. If your heart is stuck, could it be due to what your eyes are stuck looking at? The heart is what God wants us to have full of joy. Maybe your anxiety is so high because of what you're looking at. 
My mom and I had this discussion. Mid-2020, I had to turn off the news. I'm getting scared. I'm like, man, we used to like bowl and like eat fries and put our fingers in there and throw the ball down. And now somebody, oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm talking about swinging on monkey bars and then going to have lunch. And oh, I mean, just, I didn't, okay, I need to stop watching CNN tonight, all right? Because it's messing up my mind. I'm just being real with me. What I was looking at was messing up my joy. What are you looking at? I know you cleared your history, but how do you clear your freak? My generation requires real, y'all. Y'all don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Joy is of the heart, and it's an area that God wants to give us fulfillment. And I want y'all to see this so you can see how it works. Numbers chapter 13, verse 23. I'm going to go kind of swiftly because I want y'all to see this. Numbers chapter 13 Verse 23, it says, when they reached the valley, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land and reported they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. So now the Bible says it was a whole cluster that they had a tree branch where they had the whole. So I know it wasn't as much as this. So I'm thinking they went out to spy the land and they came back like, y'all, look, here's the evidence. Okay, so we got that so far, right? Now, verse 27, they gave this account to Moses. We went into the land that you told us about, bro, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. That's giants. The Amalekites live in the Vey, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. This is Caleb. Then Caleb says, y'all shut up. The Bible says silence the people, right? Y'all shut up. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. I'm reading this. I'm like, how is it there are two people who are seeing the same thing, but two people who aren't seeing the same thing? Mm -hmm. One person sees grapes. The other person sees giants. Get this. Please get this, y'all. What does your mind and your heart focus on more in your day-to-day -day life? The grapes are the giants. Now listen, the giants are there for intimidation purposes only. This should help you. Whenever you face a giant, it's to scare you. It is one of Satan's agendas so that you don't possess what's yours. I put something in front of you to hopefully activate your fear so that you don't obtain your fruit. Thank you for the golf clap. Which one are you looking at? The giants or the grapes? Now, I told the choir, I need y'all to come up here real quick. I want y'all to see this real quick. So I, I'm looking at this and I begin to study a little more. Did you know grapes are the most mentioned fruit in the Bible? 
you have olives, pomegranates, figs, but your grapes are the most mentioned fruit in the Bible. Okay? Now, how you make wine is by crushing from it grapes. And so I said, oh, God, you preaching to me? You preaching to me, so I'm going to give y'all just two points today, and we're ready to go home. All right? Y'all ready for this? Number one, am I surrounded by people who are joy robbers? Now, look, John chapter 15, verse 1, this is Jesus speaking. <clears throat> excuse me. It's Jesus speaking. It says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. So Jesus is saying, I'm the one that extends to you joy. But maybe the reason that I have no joy, am I surrounded? Y'all circle me. Y'all circle me up. Hide me. Hide me. Can y'all hide me? Well, I'm six foot one. I don't know if y'all can hide me. Y'all turn towards me. All right, now y'all just start taking my grapes. Is your whole clique and your whole circle one of the reasons why you have no joy? Y'all just keep going. Y'all drop my joy everywhere. <laughs> and maybe the reason, okay, y'all stop, y'all stop. Maybe every single time I leave mama house, my joy ended up looking like this. Mm-hmm. Every single time I'm around them, my joy looks like this. But since I'm so insecure and I don't want to be lonely, I keep going back in my circle. Y'all come on and rob me. Y'all rob us. I keep on going back in the place. God telling you, you don't have any joy here. Your peace is not here. You, you, you are not fulfilled here. Why do you keep responding to that? Why did you respond to that text? Why do you keep going to that place? And every single time you leave your circle, look how my, y'all see this? They some greedy ones too. Look. They took like the biggest ones. And this is the crazy thing. This is what tripped me out. Y'all show them y'all grapes. See y'all put them up? See y'all messing the illustration up. Yeah, all the grapes. This is the crazy thing about joy robbers. Joy robbers will drink all your joy and then paint you as the villain. Isn't that crazy? So they cut me off, but look at their hand. And look at my joy. I'm going to keep going. Uh, joy, people who are joy robbers, <clears throat> they constantly play the victim of crimes they committed. Y'all ever noticed that? They did me so wrong. Look at your hands, bruh. Joy robbers. Look, y'all, I'm thinking, as I'm thinking about this wedding, they had to be some inconsiderate guests there. For you to run out of wine, there had to be that person. You know, there's always that person. Give me another biscuit. Go on, give me another piece of chicken. Come on. Give, you see this whole line behind you, ma'am? You inconsiderate. Go on, give me another piece of chicken. Give me another piece of chicken. Somebody had to be inconsiderate. <laughs> joy robbers. Can I get somebody to say joy robbers? There are people in your life who are literally sabotaging all of their healthy relationships to maintain the self-narrative that people always abandon me. Mm-hmm. Joyless people. Joyless people. You sabotage all of your relationships that have fruit so that you can continue to narr the narrative. Everybody do me wrong. Everybody does me wrong. And this is something Jerry has learned. It's not my job for me to get you to see me correctly. Maybe that's why you have no joy. 
You're trying to say, but I didn't do that to you. But, but that wasn't my fault. Well, remember that time you said this? Well, remember, it's not my job to try to convince you to see me correctly. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for me. And I'm going to ask God to continue to feel my joy. Because I don't want to be surrounded by people where my life keeps looking like this. Y'all can put the grapes in the bag. Clap it up for my demonstration. Joy Roberts. People who are constantly in your life who are taking your joy. And they could be your loved ones. They could be your family. And unfortunately, sometimes it could be a church. Robbing me of my joy. Point number two. This was a revelation that just rocked me. I didn't even see that this wedding was really more about transformation and intercession. I never saw this before. How, does Mary, how, like how did Mary know that they ran out of wine? And then hit, this is the thing. She prayed about it. Y'all missed it. They ran out of wine and she told Jesus. What is prayer? Talking to Jesus. They ran out of wine, and she told Jesus about it. They're running out of joy, so she started praying for him. They're running out of joy in their home. I need to pray for him. Not gossip about him and take it to the shade room. I see that their joy is running out. I'm going to take it to Jesus. And this is the perplexing thing. When she took it to Jesus, Jesus almost seems as though he's like rejecting her request. This is woman, what, what, what does it have to do with me? For my hour has not yet come. Hour has not yet come. Y'all remember last week we talked about a point in time? For Jesus to say that my hour has not yet come reminds me we serve a God who lives on a schedule. There's an hour for you. There's an appointed time for you. That there's something I have for you. It's not delayed. It's just not time. And y'all, this is what made me laugh when I had to call my mama in the middle of sermon prep. Mary said, um, whatever he tells y'all to do, you do it. Mary, he never said, I'm going to do it. But she was like, I know that I serve a God that perfects all that concern me. I don't know how he going to do this. I don't know what he going to do, but he going to do something. I don't know what we're going to do about this because in Jewish times, you running out of wedding, that was, running out of wine in a wedding, that was a disgrace. And she was like, listen, whatever he tells y'all to do, y'all just do it. That also shows me many times the miracle is married to you following instructions. Kingdom principles. Kingdom principles, instructions. The wine never would have, the water never would have turned to wine if they didn't listen to Mary's instruction. And then I'm like, but hold on. Jesus says, uh, that don't have no concern to me. But why did he do it anyway? Why did he do it anyway? And it brought so much comfort to my heart. It showed me that God's like, that don't even matter to me. But you matter to me. <laughs> Please get this. This is not even my wedding. I was just invited. That doesn't even matter to me. But you matter to me. And since you matter to me, I'm going to intervene. Listen, y'all, I see literally intercession leads to intervention. It don't matter to me, Mary, but you matter to me, Mary. 
And since you matter to me, I'm going to step in. Whatever you're talking about, I prayed for a parking spot, y'all. I'm serious. It's pouring rain, and I got my children in the back. Man, I hope there's a parking spot. And as soon as I go around for the fifth time, somebody pull out all up front. Pull out from the I'm like, okay, God, I'm not going to just say, oh, that just happened. I really do believe God's like, I don't care where you park. But I care who's about to park. And since I care about who's about to park, I'm going to intervene for your behalf. I don't care about that, but I care about you. Is there anybody grateful that God cares about you so much? I don't care about your social media. I don't care about that, but I care about you. And if it's concerning to you, it becomes concerning to me. She literally had intercession. She took the problem to the king, and the king intervened. Who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? You're seeing in this king encounter that her taking, I don't even know how she found out. I was reading all type. I'm looking, okay, what was the time? Who is, I don't know how she heard about it, but somehow she heard they don't have no more joy, Jesus. This is your responsibility to provide that. And some of us have been going to people to provide you with joy. More money. If I have a raise, I'll have joy. It's in Jesus. So, Father, in this moment, I pray that this word that we heard doesn't leave our heart. Let it not be a flash fire word. Set us on fire for just the 90 minute or so service that we have every Sunday. But then as soon as we leave here, our joy is tested. I guarantee that when we walk in the parking lot, when we get in the car, traffic as we leave church, something is going to attempt to rob us of our joy. But I pray that this will be branded on the mind of your people, that joy is fullness of heart. Knowing and believing that God caught me. Forgive me, God, for placing your responsibility on my job, on my children, on my spouse, on other things. And help me, Father, maybe for the first time for some of us, help me get to a place to where I recognize true, fulfilling, lifelong, lasting joy is found in you. And lastly, God, we thank you for all the times you intervened, stepped in, even when it was nothing important, but we are important to you. We love you and we honor you. Thank you that you're going to give us joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.